This evening we're going to be thinking about the topic of bitterness. We'll be looking at a couple of different parts of the Bible, but in particular uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. So just a very short passage. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Let me read that for us. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, please, would those things that we've just read be true in our lives? Would you help us to do exactly those things? In the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. If the wind changes, you'll stay like that. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that even? Somebody pulling a face and a grown-up says, careful, if the wind changes, you'll be stuck like that. You might think that that's what's happened to me. I think this is just how my face came. I'm sorry about that. Um, but it is, it is a strange thing to say to people, isn't it? As if someone is going to be cursed to look gormless for the rest of their lives or, or permanently be left with their tongue sticking out or something. And yet, there are people, aren't there, who seem to carry a scowl all the time with them, who look like the wind changed just after something very annoying happened to them. I know uh, faces can be deceiving. Lib often tells me that uh, I'm pulling a face at, at random times, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean that I am as sad or as serious as I might <laughs> look like I am. Again, that's just my face. I'm sorry about that. But we have met people, we will meet people, whose factory default setting, whether their face gives it away or not, seems to be anger, frustration, disapproval. Again, whether that is being shown in their face or whether it's just going on in their heart. We're talking about bitterness. Bitterness, that settled resentment. A state of being very very unhappy with how a situation has turned out, whether that is a particular situation or just everything. That feeling of something that has gone so wrong and now it is playing on your mind and sucking away your joy and this thing that you just can't get past, you can't stop thinking about it and it churns you up. There are bitter people everywhere. And if we're honest, many of us would be able to look back on situations that we still feel quite bitter about. I want us to be thinking this evening about bitterness, about where it comes from, about where it leads to, about what the Bible says we ought to do about it. So starting with where it comes from, the root of bitterness. Well, bitter people will be able to tell you exactly where bitterness comes from. It comes from being treated badly by him or by her or by them. Bitterness is their fault. And in a sense, that's right, isn't it? Bitterness does normally start with something bad happening or you feel like something bad has happened to us. And yet bad things happen all the time, don't they? Not everybody is bitter. It is a choice. Bitterness is a reaction to a bad thing. It's a reaction of not just being hurt, but choosing then to 
stay there, to stay hurt, rather than seeking to heal. It's stewing on things. It's chewing on things until that is actually eating us up. 1 Corinthians 13 describes love, doesn't it? And it says, love keeps no record of wrongs. But bitterness keeps very, very detailed records, doesn't it? And likes to get out the old files and go back over them again and look through it and replay it and relive it and bring it all up. It is a lack of forgiveness. Those verses uh, that I read from Ephesians 4, just after we're told to get rid of bitterness straight away, talks about a command to forgive. And those two things are not next to each other by accident. Forgiveness is what is absent when bitterness is present. That is where it is from, isn't it? And in a world that's so full of sin, it's a wonder that we aren't more bitter than we are. You think just on a normal day, how often somebody sins against you. Or maybe doesn't sin, but they don't do what you hoped that they would. Or does do what you wish they would just stop doing. That happens all the time, doesn't it? We just go about our lives and it isn't going exactly the way that we wanted. The people closest to us are going to do it to us the most. And it's going to hurt the most from the people closest to us, whether that's our husband or our wife or our friends or our children or our siblings or our parents, our work colleagues, our neighbours, dare I say it, even people at church. These people who can do us wrong, either on purpose or by mistake. And it really, really hurts. Somebody you love lies to you or betrays you or speaks badly about you. And it is horrible. The injustice of it is awful. Maybe a situation where things went wrong and it wasn't your fault and yet somehow you've been landed with the blame or you've been landed with the consequences. You are the one who has to clean this up, who has to pick up the pieces every time, shoulder the responsibility, sort it out. That kind of thing happens all the time, doesn't it? And, and it isn't right. We're right to feel that it's wrong. Injustice like that is a terrible thing. There's a sense that anger about that sort of thing can be right. Because sin certainly makes God angry, doesn't it? It isn't necessarily bad when sin makes us angry as well. The problem is, given that we are sinners as well, our anger is so rarely about the right things. It's so rarely in the right proportions. We might like to think of ourselves as being righteously angry, but it's very often self-righteously angry, a kind of pride that lashes out, or a pride that's been wounded, so we turn in on ourselves and just festers. Maybe you're not somebody who would ever hit anybody or shout at anybody or even let it be known that that's how you're feeling, but it's lurking in there, making us bitter. Sometimes so many things have happened that we can't really pin down who it is we're angry at. It's just everybody, just life, the world in general. You know that, that feeling where you just are expecting everybody to let you down and whenever anything happens, it is just typical, just typical. 
Could it be in those moments we're actually bitter against God? We're bitter against the Lord. He's the one in charge. How on earth could he have allowed this? I'd hoped that he might do X, Y, or Z, and he hasn't. So I resent him of all people. I know in the, in the children's song it's supposed to be Jesus' love that is very wonderful, but sometimes it is kind of actually the problems that we're facing, that is the thing that is so high you can't get over it. It feels so low you can't get under it, so wide you can't get around it. Oh, miserable life. It can feel like that. Kind of, this is just too big. I cannot get over it. I cannot get past it. Deeply ingrained disappointment and sadness and hurt. And it makes us bitter. And the Bible is very realistic about the world that we're in. And it shows us the world as it is. It shows us the, the effects of all those things. So it is full of bitter people and their problems. And it's full of warnings as well, warnings about the danger of bitterness. This is something we need to take seriously. It's not just, oh, bitterness, I don't really like that. Actually, this is a really serious thing. Bitterness isn't a neutral thing. It's a dangerous thing. In the natural world, things that are bitter are generally toxic. They're really bad for you or they're, they're poisonous. So our tongues are reacting to bitterness as a way of protecting us. We taste it, we go, ugh. Oh, that's horrible. That's bad. I don't want to eat that. That's going to do me some harm. And bitterness is like that. It leaves that nasty taste in the mouth because it is dangerous. And so that's why these verses in Ephesians say to get rid of all bitterness. Keep away from it. Guard against it. Don't let that happen in your life. Don't let it stay in your life. Not least because bitterness leads to other bad things. Bitterness in this passage, I think there's supposed to be a progression here. Bitterness becomes rage and anger building up on the inside. It then spills out into brawling and slander, settles into malice. Malice being actively seeking to harm somebody. You don't wake up suddenly and maliciously attack somebody out of nowhere. Generally, people don't do that. It's normally something that has snuck up on you slowly, slowly. Not just a thing that's burst out, but malice has been settled. It's been a long time coming. And it's generally come from bitterness somewhere down the line. Hebrews 12 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That phrase, the bitter root, I think it's being used in two different ways here. The first one is the way we're using it, that idea that we're not at peace with someone and so instead bitterness has taken root in us and it's saying watch out for that. But there's also a deeper sense. I think this is a reference to Deuteronomy 29 where Moses is pleading with people, don't turn away from the Lord, don't turn away from him to other gods. And he says this in Deuteronomy 29, make sure there is no root among you that produces such bitter poison. And it's that idea of unbelief, idolatry, turning away from God, being like a spreading plant. The leaves are poisonous, the roots infest the ground, they're really hard to remove. I don't know if you've had that in your garden, we did some gardening this afternoon, it was mainly 
sort of first mow of the year type things. I didn't, I didn't anyway get really into the weeding. But you know when you do that and those weeds that are always spreading, they've got incredibly deep roots, very hard to get out. That's what sin is like. That is what bitterness is like. It can be hard to spot it, hard to root it out. Once it's there, I don't know how I'm supposed to get rid of this. And it doesn't just impact us, it impacts other people. Deuteronomy 29 speaks about that person who is allowing that root with bitter poison uh, to, to continue in their life. And it says that person thinks, I will be safe even though I persist in going my own way. And yet we're told they will bring disaster. Disaster not just on them but on on others as well. And it is easy for us to go, no, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. I can carry on feeling like this, being like this, carrying on being bitter. It's not going to make any difference, but it will. And so Hebrews 12 warns us to say, make sure there is no bitter root growing up that causes trouble, that defiles many. Bitterness destroys, defiles, tears down. Some of us will know that very, very well as it ruins relationships. The Lord's made us for relationships, to, to trust each other. We're supposed to love each other. We're supposed to have open friendships. But Satan wants to kill that. He wants to sow seeds of hurt, which are going to grow into roots of bitterness. He wants us to take offence. He wants us to take whatever somebody said in the worst possible way, to take it personally, to nurse a grudge, to brood on it, to nurture that hurt till it grows and spreads into all sorts of sin. It impacts the people we're bitter against. It impacts ourselves as well. How much stress and illness can come from actually I have, I'm holding on to something that I, that I cannot let go of. They say harbouring bitterness, it's, it's like drinking poison and hoping that the other person dies. The person who's wronged us might have no idea what they've done, but it is actually killing us. So can I challenge each of us to reflect, to ask ourselves, am I bitter? Are there people who've hurt me and I can't stop thinking about it? Things in the past I can't let go of. Things that aren't staying in the past, that keep coming back, keep ruining things now. Things that stop me trusting people. Things that stop me hoping. Things that stop me approaching life positively. Bitterness is just that. It is so bitter. It is a horrible thing to feel. It is a horrible thing a really unpleasant thing to interact with. How many of you would say, my favourite people are bitter people? I just love spending time with bitter people. But when you taste bitterness when you're with other people, it does make you want to pull away, doesn't it? It's sort of, oh. And that then makes those people more bitter because, oh, why doesn't anyone want anything to do with me? That kind of thing. And it just can make things worse and worse and worse. Bitterness is a horrible, horrible thing because it is sin. Bitterness is a sin. It's listed in Romans 3 as a characteristic of the sinful heart. It talks about their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Bitterness is the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? It's the opposite of love, joy, peace, and all of that good stuff. 
So God calls us away from it because it is wrong, it hurts, it damages, and it offends him. All bitterness is ultimately against him, isn't it? It's, it's acting as though our sense of justice is greater than his. We would have done a better job of running the world. This wouldn't have happened on my watch. And so we've got the right to live our lives aggrieved and hostile. Bitterness is a sin. And unrepented of, bitterness separates us from God. It is a real danger. And so God calls us away from it. He calls for the end of bitterness. He calls for it to stop. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid of it. How much of it should we get rid of? Get rid of all bitterness. The idea of getting rid of it is, is chucking it away, isn't it? Seeing it as rubbish. This is not a thing I can just sort of say, well, that's just part of who I am. No, it is, it is dangerous rubbish. And so we rid ourselves of it like you would rid your house if you found there was toxic waste. You can go, oh, let's keep a little bit. Let's just keep a little bit for old time's sake. You would want nothing to do with it in your life. And we should treat bitterness like that. Not other people's bitterness. You're a bitter person. I want nothing to do with you. It's not that. But that bitterness in our own hearts, we need to get rid of it. Take it seriously. We need to stop kidding ourselves that our resentment is mostly justified. Some of it might be. But even that legitimate anger, it can turn corrosive when we hold on to it. There's a reason why earlier in Ephesians 4, just a few verses before, Paul says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. So he's not presuming that to be angry is necessarily always sin, but saying when you are angry, you are likely to sin. And in that, don't do it. And, and so don't let the sun go down on it. He's saying anger has a very short shelf life before it turns rotten. It doesn't keep well. It goes moldy when we don't get rid of it. So we're told to get rid of it. Don't hang on to it. Which is easier said than done, isn't it? If we sort of go, okay, I'll just stop being bitter then. Done. Well, Ephesians 4 tells us how to go about that as well. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Forgiving. Letting somebody go. Having a gripe, having a problem and choosing not to act on it, choosing not to punish that person, not to spread around what they did, not to keep ruminating on it and holding on to it to use another day, to release that situation. And this is possible, we're told, because that is how God has treated us. That's how he's treated us. If anybody's got a right to be bitter, it is him. Our sin deserves his anger. His anger at us would be absolutely right. And yet in Christ he forgives us. All of our sin, all of our bitterness, all our self-righteousness, he lets it go. He sees what we've done wrong 
and chooses to be kind to us, chooses to have compassion on us. Just as we're called to be compassionate to one another, he looks at us and says, no, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to be compassionate to you. In Christ, everyone who turns back to him in repentance and faith is completely and utterly forgiven. God isn't holding a grudge. We're not going to suddenly realise, oh, actually, he's been holding this against us. He's not going to bring this up one last time to shame us or to score points against us. When he forgives us, it is diamond dusted. It is never going to see the light of day again. And it's only that sort of forgiveness that enables us to forgive people. We can forgive that person who has been nothing but critical of us. We can forgive our children for the inconvenience they may have caused. We can forgive that person at school who said horrible things we still think about. We can forgive our spouse for not being there when we needed them. We can forgive all sorts of things because we have been forgiven for all sorts of things. God's grace frees us up, doesn't it, to to approach the world graciously, to be the sort of people who give the benefit of the doubt, the sort of people who give people another chance, who don't write somebody off. I wonder for, for you, if you had to think of somebody you needed to forgive, it might be that no one in particular comes to mind. And yet, there's still bitterness there sort of as a force of habit the scowling so long the wind changed we're sort of stuck that way now well the forgiveness that jesus offers softens us if you're having to fight you have to tense up don't you the slightest thing happens you have to tense up to fight back but if instead we've been forgiven and we know he is going to deal with all of this we can relax we can soften towards people the wind might change and leave us smiling as a default. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Get rid of all bitterness. Bring all of that to the cross and leave it there. In just a few minutes, we're going to take communion. We're going to celebrate that sort of forgiveness, that kind of forgiveness that Jesus brings us through the cross. And the sort of forgiveness that the cross enables us to have. This fellowship between us. We're going to eat a meal together. That is a fantastic picture. In a church, it is so easy to fall out with people. Or to have people that we avoid or mistrust or dislike. And bitterness starts to take root. But as God's people, we can put all of that aside, can't we? Because... Jesus has set it aside. He's set aside our sin. He has nailed our sin to the cross. So we can get rid of it from our lives. And we don't have to hold on to it. And we don't have to hold on to the sins other people have done either. We're not going to have a discussion time this evening. Uh, instead, I thought it would be good for us to reflect instead. To, to have a moment where the kind of questions we might have discussed, as we sometimes do in an evening service, but instead for us to take a moment and, and reflect on these things for ourselves. It might be that later you think, actually, I would like to talk to somebody about this. Um, 
But why don't we just have a, a moment or two to reflect on, on these. The first one, where do I sense bitterness in my own life? Where are there things, whether it's big things, small things, specific people, just a general feeling, where do I sense that bitterness in my own life? And then secondly, how could I take steps to forgive and let go of those hurts? Are there conversations we need to have? Are there things we need to stop doing? Things we need to remember? Truths from God's words that will help us? How could we take those steps to, to let go of those hurts with God's help? Let's be quiet for a minute as we reflect on those questions and then I'm going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we are sorry for our bitterness we're sorry for the times when we are so much less forgiving than you. We thank you for your forgiveness that you have shown us in Jesus. Thank you that every sin can be forgiven by you when we repent of it. Please would you help us to do that and to forgive others. Help us to get rid of bitterness. We know we can't do that on our own and so we ask for your help in doing that this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.